welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera. We took uh, a little bit of a vacation last week, and you'd think it's because we needed some time off. No, it's because there wasn't a lot going on. But Anthony, this week, this week, this week, there's a lot going on, okay? We're going to talk about this brand new fit-in-your-mouth Insta360 Go. <laughs> We're going to talk about Instagram and the launch of Threads. But first... We're going to start with the Sony A6700, a brand new APS-C camera from Sony. This this is really interesting, man. I don't want to go too far into it. Let me let me hear it from you first. What can this camera do? Yeah, this is an exciting announcement for those 6000 kind of series users. Uh, this is actually the same sensor as the FX30, but in a camera that is more for the photographer. But it is, it's a dual creator type of camera, though, because this can do nice quality 4K video. They actually made some really welcomed upgrades, but I'll give you the specs here first. So this is a 26 megapixel sensor. It shoots 4K with a small crop. This does do 10-bit video internally, which is nice. Uh, this is also, it will also shoot um, up to 120 frames per second. It does crop in a little bit larger as well but this has a one sd card slot that's what we're kind of used to on those cameras and then they did put in those ai features that we were talking about on that zv line that we were we were just mentioning in a couple episodes talking about it everybody seems to really like those ai features and this is a welcome upgrade to the 6000 kind of lineup and it seems like that these ai features are probably going to be in most of the Sony cameras coming forward, which is nice to see. This is a slightly larger body than the previous like 6000 series cameras. It has a nice like, I guess, thicker grip. Uh, it has a fully articulating screen. And they're saying that this sensor, this is probably one of the biggest welcomed upgrades. This sensor has a faster readout speed than the previous 6000 series cameras, which is great. So you can minimize the rolling shutter. Uh, and then Petapixel actually gave us some really good information on overheating issues. Because this camera, it's small, right? There's no room for, for much like heat management. So here's, here's what Petapixel is saying. At 4K, 24 frames per second, uh, Jordan Drake was shooting videos uh, for 46 minutes straight, and then the camera would overheat. At 4K, 60p, you get 26 minutes of recording and then the camera would overheat. He tried it in a webcam usage, because I know a lot of people are using their cameras for you know, photography, video, but also webcamming, uh, and I'm glad he really included this in there as well. If you change the camera to 1080p, set the auto power off temperature to high, then you're, you're, you're getting about two hours uh, of webcam usage on this camera, and all, all that gadget for $18.99 Canadian body only, so. Uh, that that's the specs and the price. I think the price is right. What do you what do you what do you think? We are getting a very very competitive solution under two thousand dollars. You know, this is the market mm -hmm. that interests me. Right? When when someone is looking to like get serious with creativity, right? And maybe they're not looking to make it a business, but they just want to create more often, uh, create something that's going to produce a significantly better result than you know, their mobile device, the under $2,000 price point, that's where we want to see some action. We want to see what's going on. And it looks like Sony's like, let's just throw everything we can at this thing. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you talk about the overheating issues, I, I still believe like most consumers are not going to run into this, right? Most people are not doing really yeah. long extended clips. And if they are, they might be in a studio environment where the temperature is not as hot. 
and they shouldn't run into this, right? Mm-hmm. But but to get so to get these kinds of features, right? Over a sample 4K 60p in this body that's paired with what I think is still the best autofocus in the game, right? Like mm-hmm. here's the thing. A lot of companies have caught up in terms of autofocus speed, but it's the accuracy and maintaining that throughout a video clip or maintaining that throughout continuous shooting. That's where Sony's still leading the pack, right? That's where they're still, you know, king of the hill in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that's exciting because now you have consumers, again, people that might be getting their first digital camera, getting those kinds of technologies for under $2,000, that has me excited. It shows that they're not holding anything back. And then also when you buy into a camera like this, you get the E-mount and the E-mount has just so many lenses. I don't I, listen, I don't want to say this for a fact, but they might have the most availability of modern lenses, you know, modern compatible yeah. lenses. Let, let's Absolutely. forget about adapting and stuff like that. Let's just look at what you can buy brand new. They probably have the most options, both from in-house and from third parties. So this is an impressive camera. I haven't gone hands-on with it yet. I, I mean, hopefully we get hands-on with it soon. The fact that it's a little bit bigger excites me. Like I, I'm genuinely happy when cameras become more ergonomic because this APS-C Alpha line, I don't know about you, Anthony. I never found them particularly comfortable. They became more comfortable, uh, but there were some other cameras that were you know, considerably more comfortable than something like this. So all in all, this this is impressive, and I don't, I'm, I think it's just something that's exciting. I think the timing is right. You're getting it like you know in the middle of summer, so you have people that might be considering this for the holidays as their upgrade, right? So mm-hmm. good job by them. But I gotta ask you, you know, looking at this camera, you know, how does the competition fare for something like this? Like it's it's a pretty crowded market. So how, why would someone choose something like this? over you know like a fujifilm xt5 or or other APS-C solutions from from canon or nikon yeah i'm glad you mentioned uh the the slew of lenses that sony actually has and it's not just the amount of lenses and like the variety that you get from sony that i really like it's actually the lens technology that they're including within those lenses so as a video shooter i love the fact that you could just like run and gun and like you said the sony autofocus is just fantastic but when you're focusing on something that isn't a person you can move the autofocus by turning the focus ring and then getting the autofocus to be exactly where you want it to be and then you let go of that autofocus ring and then like it just stays there so that saves a lot of clips and i don't think people understand how useful that is and it's one of those things that you know they've they've mentioned before but it's not like an overhyped kind of feature within like the sony kind of realm so i i think that actually is a huge factor and that's one of the actual reasons why i was thinking like maybe i should just like I, I just moved over to Panasonic, but maybe I still think there might be some room to to have a Sony option in in my own personal kit, and that's one of the reasons why I think uh, people should definitely consider it. But it's also like two other things: the AI feature that they put in those ZV cameras for the solo shooter. These might be actually really big, and it might be something that you definitely want to consider when when you're looking at all the options out there fujifilm like they're known for their color science but when when you want the best uh smart features and like the best tech you're probably looking at sony and my other complaint with the previous 6000 series cameras was the rolling shutter i i personally think 
I thought it was pretty bad in like the 6600 and the 6000 series cameras. I didn't like how the videos looked uh, coming from those cameras uh, at all. And uh, if the, if they're saying that you know we get faster Rito speeds on the 6700, then I think that's a welcomed upgrade. And I think it's just something that you just can't ignore. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm looking at something like this, and really, the Fujifilm audience. You're looking for the experience, not necessarily just the specs. Because, again, the X-T5, 100%. impressive specs. It can do so much. Um, but, I mean, just look at the back display, right? Like, that's a tilting display, not a full, very angle display that flips all the way around so you can see yourself. So, that, that body, that camera, that is really meant for the photographer. Someone that wants a bit more of a comfortable grip, a bit more analog control to really dive into that photography experience. And I think the Sony solution caters to more people where they're not as finicky about the experience. They're, that's not the most important thing for them. They simply want the most in a small package, right? They want to get as much features as they can, as much functionality as they can. Arguably one of the best autofocus systems on the market right now, all on the go. So that, that line of demarcation, if you will, I, I think it's going to come down to how do you interact with your camera, right? How do you actually interact and use your camera? And if you're the kind of person that's going to be doing a healthy amount of video and photo, and you're someone that needs to be in front of the camera, or you're going to be tracking a lot of movement, it's a, it's a lot of uh, dynamism to your, to your footage, I think the Sony is going to be a better solution. If you're someone that's, you know, a more of a traditional photographer, you care about that photography experience, how it feels in the hand, how you shoot with it, that's really an important priority for you. I think you're probably going to lean to a Fujifilm X-T5. But, you know, this is, before we move on, the fact that this, you know, is coming in, this is coming in at $1,899, right? That's a healthy $400 less than, a, you know, the next competitor, right? And so for that, you can get a nice lens. And even if you add a kit lens with this thing, you could be out the door and still be roughly under $2,000. So, look, just... Tip of the hat to Sony for introducing this. We'll see how it performs on the market. We'll see what the interest is like. But enough of Sony, enough of them. We got to talk about something else. Something yeah. huge that rocked, that rocked the social media <laughs> space. Did I hype it up enough there? Um, Instagram finally launches their competitor to Twitter called Threads. And I've been playing around with this. Henry's is on this as well. So if you're on Threads, follow us there. And this is something... That has been really interesting, Anthony. Have you had a chance to play around with it yet? I haven't gone on, on it yet, but I, I keep seeing posts about it, and I'm, I'm listening to what's happening on here. So I just looked at the numbers just recently. Uh, I think it was uh, just yesterday, I actually, I looked this up, and they're up to 107 million users on, on threads already. And they, what did they, how long ago did they just launch this? This was like a week? I mean, a week? about a week ago. About a week. It's <laughs> yeah. been a week. All right. It's been a week. I, I, I think I'm user number one hundred and thirty nine thousand and something so i try to get there <laughs> as early as possible to really see what this thing is all about and i gotta mm. tell you it you know i find this enjoyable my, my early sort of assessment of threads is that you know where normally you'd go to twitter to get like breaking news and updates whether it's sports whether it's you know geopolitics whether it's business whether it's fine like a lot of stuff is like breaking on twitter right this is where you come to get the latest updates and yeah. reactions to that and people you know and memes like people like just sharing memes on whatever is happening in social culture and all that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. threads 
so far seems like a different kind of experience where it's more about the conversation. It's more about talking. There's no hashtag support right now. There's no chronological feed right now. It's really just everything being suggested to you along with who you follow. And, it, and it's really just about come in, have a conversation, post a thread, react to a thread. And that's what they're cultivating. And I found it enjoyable in that, well, what if I started using this like Instagram, like just posting photos and sharing a bit of stories? And it felt like what Instagram used to be in a way. It kind of gave me <laughs> those feelings. So, you know, uh, credit to them for being able to launch this thing. There wasn't any major issues or outages or anything like that. It just like it got up, it got working. And it was a great discovery moment where I'm like, oh, I'm finding all these people that actually have like interesting things to say. You also have the other side of things where like people that were great on Instagram don't have interesting things to say. You're like, ah, well, I'm not going to be following you here in this form anymore. Uh, but all in all, it felt like a great a great launch to a social media application, right? Like this is what you'd hope for as a user is that you go in and then you can really network and find great inspiration from, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you're you're giving this a positive. Uh, you had a positive experience uh, on that platform here, and here's why I didn't jump over to Threads like right away. Instagram, they I've lost. They've lost a lot of faith. I, I've lost a lot of faith in Instagram because you know I, I only I don't know if you noticed this gadget, but I only follow seventy people on Instagram. I'm super picky about who I follow on Instagram because I rarely see posts from people I actually follow. You know, when you scroll up on the feed, it's like ads and like suggested posts for you, you know? And I rarely see people posts from people that I actually follow. It's kind of annoying. So I I'm worried that this is just another platform that Facebook and Meta, I guess we can call them now. <laughs> Meta is is just bombarding us with ads, and I don't know if this is going to be like something that I really want to hop on right away. Oh, I mean, that's going to happen. Listen, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's Meta we're talking about. They're going to fail you. Okay, don't get don't yeah. get your hopes up. You know, I, I think what you're trying to get at is like, what, what's the future looking like for this thing, right? Like, you're probably yeah. wondering. You know, again, I just is think this a like fad? any social media, yeah, it's it's going to fail you. I don't think it's a fad. I think when Meta puts everything into something like this, like this is going to be their competitor and similar to Instagram, they're going to copy and cherry pick features to make it more enticing and just get people excited and engaged. And they're going to pay the right influencers to be there like they did at launch. I think this is just a great alternative. I'll be honest, I downloaded this thing. Had a, I had a few tweets, had a few threads, I should say, posts. It was great. People were engaging, all this kind of stuff. And then I deleted the app. And that's because <laughs> this is my relationship with social media, right? I have one little burner phone that does all the Henry's posts and curates all that. But on my personal phone, I don't have any social media apps because for I'm me, the same way. I, I can get sucked into the doom scroll. I can fall victim to like, oh, like... I'm just scrolling and scrolling and reacting. And before you know it, like 10, 20, 30 minutes, maybe even an hour goes by. But more important than that, I notice when it changes my mood. And even with threads, that was a positive app that was positively engaging. Like I noticed me just like, wait a minute, I just like lost two hours of time across this entire day because of this thing. And part of it is like, I kind of have to be here, but also like, I kind of don't, you know, I can still be productive <laughs> and not have this thing. So what I do, and this might sound crazy to a bunch of people listening, unless you read the book Atomic Habits, I mm -hmm. delete the apps when I'm not posting anything. And then I download the app 
log in, post what I need to post, spend a few minutes scrolling, that kind of stuff. And then as soon as I recognize it, that I'm like, hey, I'm still on this app, I delete the app. So I'm not spending more than 10, 15 minutes on the app itself. That's how I manage my personal relationship with social media. It's probably what I'd recommend for most piece, most people. So the future of this app, I think it's going to continue to grow. I think it the, the, the worse Twitter does, the better this app gets. I think that I, I, I can't say that it's just going to beat Twitter right now. Like some part of me wants me to believe that like the guts are still there and at some point like it might change hands some new ownership and all that kind of stuff and the user base is still there and the technology is there like it could still be that place you go to for breaking news for the latest updates and what's going on and reactions to that and then threads is more of this conversational coffee lounge kind of experience so I think they'll coexist, man. I think they're going to coexist for, for the foreseeable future. And uh, that's how it's going to shake out. I love hearing uh, hearing your perspective, <laughs> like deleting the app. That's so funny because I actually do a very similar thing where I have an iPad. All the social media is on the iPad. I don't touch social media on the phone or anything. Like, I actually, I rarely pick up my phone uh, anymore. It's it's kind of silly to to even even have the phone to be honest but here's a, here's a tool that you might definitely want to consider carrying with you uh and ha- potentially having in your camera bag almost at all times uh, i saw this uh announcement come through i saw i watched the casey neistat video of I that saw new this. i saw yeah. this is this what you're yeah. teasing what a what a brilliant segue <laughs> sir can i can i can i toss it up for you can i give you the the old yeah. setup here yeah this i is, this go is on youtube I go on YouTube and I see Casey Neistat with this thing in his mouth. And he got this <laughs> camera angle, you know, from his perspective inside of his mouth. It's an Insta360 Go 3. And again, we are in an audible, uh, auditory medium. So you're going to have to describe this to people. Mm-hmm. What is this Insta360 Go 3? Yeah, this is a really cool looking. It looks like a GoPro, but the but the camera detaches from the GoPro body. So you have this camera and it, as it would come in the box like a GoPro, it has a flip screen on the back that flips up like a Canon kind of point and shoot camera. But you can actually remove the lens from the body, but the screen on the body will show you what the lens is seeing. So you have two cameras, or two pieces in your hand. One is a screen, one is the lens. And even though those aren't connected by any kind of cables or anything like that, you're still seeing what the lens is actually seeing. So this looks super cool, especially Casey Neistat's example when he is like drinking coffee and he's got the camera in like the back of his throat. It was like disgusting, but really wild at the same time. The lens is tiny. Uh, This shoots uh, 4K. It will shoot 120 frames per second at 1080. It can do 50 frames per second in 4K. And the stabilization is exactly what you would expect from Insta360. It's always been fantastic. And it is waterproof, of course, because that's how Casey Neistat had it in the back of his throat there. But that was, what did you think of that shot, Gadget? And I, I, I bet you were feeling the excitement that Casey Neistat was also feeling when he, when he was first seeing this product. And he talked about it in his video. 
Yeah, five years ago, I would have watched that video and just ordered it right away. I'm like, cool, I'm just, just going to get this and then figure out creator shots who can do it. Now I have <laughs> a little bit more restraint. Uh, but this is just super cool. Like you're just looking at like, okay, what kind of crazy shots can you integrate into your social content with something like this that you otherwise couldn't do before? And so that's really, really exciting. So, I, you know, I, I just find that I'm happy. I, you know, can I just say I'm the happy? Is that a, is that a cop out answer? <laughs> I'm happy when I see products like this because everyone's not just trying to make a GoPro, right? This is not like DJI coming in and doing their their action cam just yeah. to compete with the GoPro for the GoPro's sake. Like, this is something that's genuinely different. In its traditional form factor, it kind of looks like a GoPro with a flip-up screen on the back. And then you could pop mm. this thing out and just go for even wilder shots. You can build, you can attach this to your own, like, makeshift drone to make your own, like, action drone that you don't have to invest, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars in. You, you can take this thing and, you know, throw it in different corners of your office or inside of a box to do an unboxing from a different perspective or, like... You know, I don't know, put this on like a, a string and swing it around to get some really crazy like time warp transition shots. I'm just happy. I'm just happy that stuff like this exists so that we have options. And you know how much I say this word a lot, options, right? Having a ton of options, affordable options that you can go ahead and, you know, see through your creativity. That's what that's what excites me the most. I saw like one example in their marketing with like people attaching this to their skateboard um, you know, maybe even your surfboard, like just doing really interesting things that you otherwise couldn't, or even a GoPro maybe too big for, right? So really cool stuff. I got to ask you though, where, where do you see this camera excelling? Like, where do you see them being particularly successful? Yeah, I was just looking up the, the price and, uh, it comes out in at about $549, which is, right about where the GoPro is as well, right? So um, that's that's going to be a huge competition for GoPro for sure. Uh, I definitely see the vloggers, especially travel vloggers like backpackers, people going on vacation, maybe maybe action sports and like documentary type of, of, of videos. They're definitely going to love this because it is so versatile. It's kind of crazy how small the lens is. And like if you just you got to look at a picture of it and you're going to definitely think like, oh, my gosh, there's so many things that you could do with this. But I think those backpackers, uh, vacationers, the vloggers, they're going to consider this over a GoPro, I think, for sure. Um, like I said, this camera is so tiny and it could just go anywhere. And I love the fact that, you know, you remove the, the camera from the body itself and then you can still see what the camera is seeing on that little flip up screen. And we forgot to mention too, Gadget, that the, the, the lens itself is magnetic. So you can like attach this to your shirt. They have like a little like hat mount. So you get like a POV view. Like I'm thinking like, you know, you see those like free running videos uh, where people are just like jumping off buildings and stuff like that, chasing each other, playing tag or something like that. Like <laughs> that's gonna be where I think a lot of people are gonna look at this and go, oh my gosh, there's, there's really nothing better I, I don't think there is anything better it's so tiny man so i think that's what it is and that leads us to our favorite part of of the the episode gadget it's it's creator draft picks i see yours written down here i'm super curious about this you want to go first yes yes look i'm always trying to read something and and move from genre to genre usually it's nonfiction, but like different parts of nonfiction. and one thing i read recently and i kind of 
I've read it twice, to be honest. It was that good for me. And it's The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, a, a, a wildly infamous music producer. To call him producer, though, that's not even fair. He's a bit of a maestro. He doesn't even touch the board. He, he just works with artists and has like an amazing body of work that he's been associated with. And he put together this book that really is sort of like these, these short, musings on different subjects that all tie into being a creative and it gets very philosophical and it dives really into the different aspects of creativity and i found myself like i'd read it and study it and resonate with so much going with it and there was some parts maybe it was just reading it at the right time that was just like giving me these aha kind of moments of like oh like my perspective on this thing is probably flawed like maybe i should try looking at it this way. Not everything in here is gospel, but there are some moments that will stand out if you are a creative and looking at it through those eyes. Um, it really made for this kind of, I don't want to say enlightening, but it was sort of like a light bulb moment, right? So my pick this week, quite inexpensive, is The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. It's a book that I found a ton of value from. And I think that if you're creating regularly, whether it's photo, video, YouTube, Instagram, whatever it may be, think this is a book worth reading if you are if you are in that in that lane this is something i think most people get value out of what about you what do you got for us this week love it uh i have been using the Rode streamer x so this is a 4k capture card for your computer that also has an hdmi in for your camera and then an hdmi through port so if you're like doing any kind of like gaming or live streaming or anything like that you can essentially hook up like whatever you're gaming on uh into the through port and then you're you're able to see like say xbox on like a tv or whatever it may be uh it also has a xlr port with phantom power so if your mic requires extra power power to actually uh take advantage of that that on the streamer x then that's an option as well um the the but but what really got me about this product is the integration between the Rode Streamer X and the Rode Central app. Have you used the Rode Central app before? Gadget? No, no. I okay. mean, I've used their app that connects with their wireless Go mics, but not the Central app. This is cool. Okay, so this is a uh, app that pairs with the Rode products, uh, and it essentially gives you a virtual Rodecaster Pro on your computer. So this allows you to apply any kind of effects to your microphone, like bass, highs, mids, compressors, all that stuff that we would apply to editing, say a podcast or anything like that. You get these effects and then they stick to the microphone across all the platforms that you actually use. So you can say, jump on Teams and Zoom and sound like you're just like rocking it with like a fully edited, like podcast kind of feel. Uh, I recorded uh, talking head videos using, I, I normally, use the Roland VR capture app and this actually integrates with the Rode Streamer X as well because you're essentially just choosing your camera choosing your audio kind of um, source uh, connected that that's connected to your computer and I, I can I can tell you this gadget I have never sounded this good uh, on like my talking head videos uh, and it was just like applying some of these features like the compressor and things like that but like leaving them at like slightly above like what it was like would come at um, just straight out of the box. 
and this this has been actually really really helpful so i don't know if maybe the maybe my pick is the streamer x but maybe it's also that road central app as well but they both just kind of paired together so that you're getting a two for one here uh so this the streamer x is more designed for the live streamer uh but i could totally see how podcasters would love to use this as well and i have just kind of hacked it to create like talking head videos for for henry's and, and training purposes uh, and i can tell you that the quality has just been fantastic it's super clean like right out of the box no editing really necessary it's been a great product and it's and it's really small on my desk and and desk space is definitely uh important a, estate, a man. yeah important real estate that's exactly it so yeah yeah fantastic, that's, that's my pick man Great recommendation. Another great episode. Summer is here, man. Let's get out there. Let's enjoy what we can. Let's go create something. You should do the same. And look, if you're not subscribed already, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review so we know what you think. As always, my name's Gadget. His name's Anthony. And we'll see you guys next time.